a place to spend my quiet nights. Time to unwind, so much pressure in this life of mine. I cried times and once contemplated suicide. And would have tried, but when I held that nine, all I could see was my mama's eyes. No one knows my struggle. They only see the trouble. Not knowing it's hard to carry on when no one loves you. Picture me inside the misery of poverty. No man alive has ever witnessed struggles I survive. Praying hard, carrying for days. Hold on, me and my dogs ain't have a choice but to roll on. We finally find a spot to kick it. Where we can drink liquor and no one bickers over trick shit. A spot where we can smoke in peace. And even though we G's, we still visualize places that we can roll in peace. And in my mind's eye, I see this place the players going past. They got a spot for us all so we can ball. In Thug's Mansion. <laughs> Good morning. Every corner, every city, every Little Hennessy, laid back, hit cool. Every hour, cause it's all good. We gon' stress from the world outside. Every wrong and we'll be alright. Nothing but peace, love, street passion. Every ghetto is a Thug's Mansion. Good morning, sweetheart. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get it started, baby. Let's go ahead and get it popping. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Hawaii Bake with Tuesday and Thursday, 8 a.m. Misha. Spark you a blow blunt. Let's get high in this bitch. Way it ain't we be more Good morning, sweetheart. How you feeling? Good morning, sweetheart. You doing all right? Yeah. <laughs> you. Huh? <laughs> 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 Welcome back to another episode of Wake Up Make BMO. I am your host, BMO. Today we are, as always, going to discuss some of the new applications of blackness and how we can use those lessons for blackness, by blackness, of blackness, through blackness, to blackness, atop blackness, between blackness. Give me more preposition, sweetheart. Around blackness. Underneath. <laughs> underneath blackness. <laughs> Within. <laughs> Within blackness, baby. Give me the whole preposition list. We're doing it all for black. Thank y'all for joining another episode. Um, we want to, uh, I want to give a, damn, sorry. I uh, want to give a shout out to the Washington Informer Bridge, WIBridgeDC.com or at WIBridgeDC on all social media platforms. Uh, it is a black newspaper who is fully supporting the Wake and Bake with BMO program we appreciate the washington former bridge they are giving us lessons they are giving us entertainment they are giving us news they are uh you know i know a lot of niggas don't read the newspaper sweetheart you know uh, uh, my trick is i put that joint in my google news application and it just auto populates every morning while i'm reading the news now you got to read the news every morning i don't know if niggas it's just not reading in general but i don't i know for sure if it's nine people on right now, zero of them people got a physical newspaper in their house right now. I, I just, I don't got no stats, but I just got a feeling. 
since we're the 10th people, we got all the types of newspaper in here. That's all right. <laughs> Shout out to the Washington Former Bridge. We appreciate y'all. Um, but before we even get started, let's make sure we're saying good morning to the new microphone in my life. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. The amplified lower tones of my voice. You feel me? Uh, let's say good morning to the lady of the house. Good morning, lady of the house. It is mandatory. I see niggas is joining on yeah, and not saying said, good morning to the lady of the house. Natalie said good morning. Well, Natalie is a good person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you niggas out here. She if you're not saying the good morning to the lady of the house, do you really respect women? I'm just saying. Oh, wow. That's uh, Yeah, I put it that way. <laughs> she also said let him cook when you were uh, When, when I was rapping, rapping. Yeah. had my Tupac on this morning because you know why. Oh. Hip-hop turned 50 over the weekend. Yeah. Now, did it really turn 50 over the weekend or did some marketing people decide that this was going to be the birthday so we can all centralize our commerce on this day? I don't know. That's not the point, but we are <laughs> celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop this morning. I think we're going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop probably sneakily for the next few weeks. We got a couple of topics we want to talk about this morning. Uh, some of those topics, we're going to talk about LL Cool J and his status as a founding member of hip-hop. We're going to talk about how... Uh, the same dude who brought us Roe v. Wade, the same dude who brought us the affirmative action case is now focusing on black women and their money. Uh, and we're also going to talk about a discovery that the lady in the house and I had. I think we'll talk about that verse. How the problem <laughs> is not real niggadom. <laughs> okay. And I have a prediction. You feel me? Okay. All right, Lady of the House, I have an idea of where we should start, but I'm going to leave that in your hands, though. Well, you said, you already said we should start with the... Okay, I did say that, didn't I? My bad. <laughs> That's also, on me. <laughs> we got your, uh, your cousin in the house. Cuz, good morning! Asha. Asha Brown. And Razzy God said good morning. Hey, Razzy God, good morning hey. to you. How you doing, uh, person? Brother? Sister? Themza? Let me know. What? <laughs> What's up? I want to make sure my people get their proper, they proper pronouns <laughs> yeah. and shit. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of you niggas out here doing revolutionary things. You know, it must. I'm not transgender, but I can only imagine one day being like, "Oh, I'm not this no more." <laughs> I know that shit gotta be hard, bro. I know that shit gotta be hard as fuck. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, and then you have to go and pretty much introduce yourself as this new person to everybody that you know yeah bro i don't like right. leaving the house let alone <laughs> like reevaluating, like right. <laughs> reintroducing myself <laughs> fuck no right. <laughs> that shit revolutionary bro you you can call it what you want to call that shit, that shit. and razzy wow. god is a bro huh razzy god is a bro okay bro all right bro i got your bro ham <laughs> i just want to know i'd be damned if I went through all this stress and trauma, trauma <laughs> and for you to give me the wrong name, fuck that, bro. <laughs> fuck that. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about this morning. Uh, later in the house, let's start off with, we said we're going to start with what now? With, uh, with, with hip-hop? <laughs> hip-hop turned 50. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are parts of me that's like, did it really turn 50 or did some marketing agency co-opt the date so that we could all have a centralized place to celebrate? In either case, I think we'll take this moment to celebrate. You know what I mean? Kind of like how uh, we don't celebrate the end of slavery, but we celebrate Juneteenth. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's a day people recognize. So I guess we'll we'll center around all this recognition. The people on Instagram can't see my face. That's all right. Y'all see me now? All right. Ain't nobody on, but that's all right. Um, because they all come on Instagram. I mean, cause they all coming over to YouTube. That's mm-hmm. we're trying to train <laughs> the people. Okay. Um, hip hop turned fifty, and 
last Thursday, we were beginning to have a conversation about the, no, we were having a conversation about the Washington Informer, right? Mm -hmm. How I walked into the chief's office one day when they were doing a a data audit and they found that 87% of the reading audience for the Washington Informer Bridge is not black, but 100% of the paper is focused on black issues. That gives me hope that in the radical future, we can we can focus on building and creating spaces for ourselves and let the others come without having to focus on the other people. Right. And so when I think about that deeply, the first time I witnessed that was in hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I know hip hop has changed a little bit over time, but the first time that I recognized that there was a black genre that was focused on telling black stories to black people from black people was when I discovered hip hop for myself. And ironically, the person that I discovered was Will Smith. And it still spoke to Will Smith, who is the king of pop rap, probably the the reason why we have crossover hip hop to a certain degree. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But there's a, there's a, a, a founding father of crossover hip hop still told stories that I felt like were indicative of me as a little black boy. Mm-hmm. Now I got older, I learned about Tupac, I learned about Biggie, I learned about Nas, and then of course I invested in some hip hop myself. If you really know a nigga, you know that I dropped a mixtape my freshman year in college, okay? And I would like the Wake and Bake with Bebo Nights to guess <laughs> what type of rapper I was in 2007. <laughs> I would like the Wake and Bake, if you are on the line, I need you to guess what type of rapper I was. The lady of the house might not even know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, because I, I don't think you were like a Nelly like singing rapper. I don't think you were. I need the people <laughs> to guess. Speaking of Nelly, thank you for bringing it up, sweetheart. Hip hop means so much to me. I was on the couch the other day. Actually, we were driving to North Carolina. We're going to talk about that as well. We were driving to North Carolina to see uh, to my grandparents' 90th birthday and there was some hip-hop playing and I was just, I was tearing up. The lady in the house was kind of like sleeping a little bit. I was tearing up listening to some of these hip-hop songs because I was really wondering, I had put myself in a in a space of speculation and I was really wondering if it wasn't for hip-hop would there be another form of poetics? Hmm four black boys like, like, like quickly quickly name a black poet name a black male poet oh oh you talking to me anybody oh <laughs> name a black male poet i was the first person that popped in my head was langston hughes but he's he was an author you know he wasn't just the he wasn't poet. just a poet but he right. wrote poetry right yeah, i'll give you poetry. langston yeah i give you langston that was 100 years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying, sweetheart. Oh, um, young man at the, uh, at the artist talk. Who? He's a poet. <clears throat> young man at the artist talk. Yeah. Good vibe tribe. Thank you. Just put Jay Ivy. Jay Ivy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met him for the first time on College Dropout. Just got a Grammy with TSU. That Jay Ivy. Shout out to Larry. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but all I'm saying is like, there is in philosophy, there is a. There is a mindset that poetry is as powerful as the law. Yeah. How we express ourselves emotionally is just as powerful as how we express ourselves logistically. Mm-hmm. So as I'm listening to hip hop, 50 years of hip hop, I'm so thankful. 
Because I honestly don't know if black boys, black girls would have a space for their own poetic expression if it wasn't for the last 50 years of hip hop. Cause niggas not reading. Let's just, can we be honest? <laughs> niggas is not reading. Y'all did not read Gwendolyn Brooks's uh, We Cool. <laughs> Y'all not reading Sonia, Sa- uh, uh, Sonia Sanchez. We not reading. It's so it's not okay, but it, it's just a reality. Like we gonna meet each other in context. We gotta meet each other in the in the honest context. I'm so appreciative for hip hop. And sometimes I, <laughs> sometimes when I see rappers go to jail, when I see rappers trying to be thugs, when I see when I see the hard street rap, I be giggling a little bit. Like especially when I listen to Jeezy, sometimes I be like, "Bro, you just a poet." <laughs> yeah. You talking about crack sales, but like, can you think about think about if William Shakespeare wrote a a, a play about crack? You know what it be? It'd be power. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> anyway, sweetheart, uh, we were the reason why I was thinking about hip hop not only because of his 50th anniversary, but the Breakfast Club did an interview with LL Cool J and some members from the Roots, and it unearthed a thought process that I hadn't really thought about in a while. When we look at the 50 years of hip hop, it's easy. When we look at hip hop and its 50 year history, we are often taught, especially people in my generation, that there are five tenets of hip hop. It's not just rap, you also have DJing, you also have breakdance, you also have spray paint, and you also have fashion, right? These are all of the tenets that make hip hop. Mm-hmm. And 50 years ago, if we had been transformed into the park 50 years ago, the most important people at the park would have been the DJs, the breakdancers, and the graffiti folks. And they would have all been wearing fly clothes and then the weirdo would have been a nigga who tried to jump on the mic and tried to rhyme over the break beats, right? That had been 50 years ago. 50 years later, hip hop is almost inverse. The most important part of, um, the most important part or the most popular part of hip hop at this moment is, what is the sweetheart? It's rap. Yeah. Everybody can rap. Your mama can rap, which our mother's rapping. Your white cousin rap, which are white folks rapping. Your little sister can rap, there are women rapping. Brothers can rap, everybody can rap, as long as you can talk. And I've even seen some deaf folks with some deaf songs do some do some signing, do some rapping. So everybody can rap. <clears throat> so would it be safe to say that the most important figure, 50 years in hip hop, is the MC? Is that fair to say? I'd say so. All right, let's watch this clip by uh, uh, LL Cool J, and we'll be right back. Well, I'm going to watch it with you. No. Wait, did I put it in there? Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Well, I guess I'll describe the clip. In this clip, Black Thought uh, and Questlove from The Roots are giving their flowers to um, are giving their flowers to LL Cool J because they state that LL Cool J is from Generation 1.5 of hip hop. LL Cool J is the first rapper to be signed to a major record label deal through Def Jam. LL Cool J, according to Black Thought, is the first person to come up with a 16-bar rap. LL Cool J is the first person to come with a four-minute song. LL Cool J is the first person to come up with what they call post-modern hip-hop. And the interesting thing, after watching this video of Black Thought giving and heaping these praises upon LL Cool J, it makes you sit back and think for a second. The first LL Cool J song I loved, I'm Bad, I think it's from 1985, four years before I was born. 40 years after Tom Tom was born. Anyway, I'm playing. <laughs> Still catch the strays. Four years after, before I was born is I'm Bad, which is a lyrical masterpiece. Uh, 
uh, who was I talking about? LL Cool J. Um, LL Cool J's, the song that I first fell in love with, I'm Bad, came out in 1985. And the last song that LL Cool J that I really appreciated, I think, came out in like 09, which means LL Cool J rapped from 1985. He put out a song in 2019. I think he did a remix with somebody in 2019, which means LL Cool J is still rapping. And the beautiful thing about it, the LL Cool J from 1985 and now he raps is different from the LL Cool J in 02 when he raps. My man adopted. In the Flavor in Your Ear remix, when he's on the line with Biggie, it's a different flow than hip-hop started in the park in 1980. And the beautiful thing about LL Cool J is if you looked at him, that nigga look exactly the same. Right. <laughs> LL Cool J is 50 plus. He look exactly the same when he was 19. What would hip-hop be? What would the world be without LL Cool J? A little less cool, a little less love, a lot more chapped licks, lips, and a whole bunch more skinny ass niggas. That's what I think it would be. Am I wrong, sweetheart? So, um, you know, as we as we are in the, in the spirit of nominating those for the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week, I would like to give a Paul Robeson Negro of the Week nomination to LL Cool J, Generation 1.5, and the 50 years of hip hop that has happened. I am appreciative. I, I I just don't know where black boys and black expression would be if it weren't for hip hop. Maybe we still be singing the blues. Maybe it'd be more BB King ass niggas. I don't know. But like, where would we be without this form of poetics that allows us to express ourselves, express ourselves, especially hyperbolically? And I know hip hop can be a little misogynistic, but it can also be a little revolutionary, right? Hip hop can be a little dangerous towards youth culture, but it could also be very inspiring towards youth culture. The in the same year that I heard um, um, uh, when they play that in the streets, all the dope boys go crazy. Is the same year I heard Jesus walks. Right, it's the same time. It's the same time. So I appreciate them. Um, uh, let me ask. Let me ask you this: way. We got any comments? We got any questions? We got any comments? You got any comments about hip hop? You want to say anything on behalf of hip hop? You want to give out your praises? Um. Well, my parents. I feel like I don't. I wouldn't say they actually they did grow up with hip hop. Mm-hmm. So, so did I. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so I've always had a, an appreciation for. I guess the I don't even know what generation would be like Slick Rick that. that yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see how it shaped black boys specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And having a brother, yeah, I've, I've seen the way that. <laughs> what's your What's your brother's him. favorite form of hip hop? When he was little, it was definitely DMX, but that's because my dad was a DMX fan. <laughs> okay. Both my parents. Um, which album was that? Outcast. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the album, but yeah, that was my shit. Like forward and backwards, the one that had. Um, That album. Stank on you? Stank on you, yeah. 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 So, it's, it's kind of wild that it's, you know, it's been 50 years, but. It has been 50 years. It's been 50 years. I would say, I don't know if I grew up with hip-hop or if I'm hip-hop's annoying little cousin. 
I don't know. I always feel like hip hop was my way cooler older brother <laughs> that I was trying to keep up with. Um, I would like to hear from the people that they guess what type of rapper I was in 2007. And I'd like to hear some comments with that as I continue to roll this. Blizzard. It's okay. I already described it. Vibe Tribe said, good morning, Lady House, good morning, Vimo. What's up, man? Hey, Owen said, peace, Vimo and Monty. Hey. Good morning. Uh, Called go- you by your name. Right. Mm, yeah. Strong. <laughs> uh, good Vibe Tribe said, you were a no ain't gonna let up fun ATL type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am my rapper. I was very much a, a mixture between Fabo and like bone crusher nah. <laughs> i was loud and energetic and i had dance songs including the hit song uh or at least it was a hit on the third floor of drew hall freshman year oh, the wow. digamajig <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, so you gonna play me a mistake or not uh i dip it no longer exists it might be on this old yes it's not on laptop your, over here oh it's not on your piano no, have... no, no, no. That's that's way older. You played me something from there. <laughs> huh? Oh my god, bro. That was high school, right? Huh? That was high school, right? That was high school. Oh my god, man. <laughs> Razzy God said conscious. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not. No. I had uh if Kenny is on the line, Kenny uh Kenny jumped in my DMs one day and he's like he was showing me this song. It was like this super conscious song. And he asked me the question. He was like, do you like smart music? And I thought for a second and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I think when I'm listening to music, I think I'm trying to drown out my own intelligence. So like, I don't know how many times I have intentionally sought out music that's like, oh, I really want to think after listening to this, right? That's why it took me so long, Sam down long to listen to, uh, uh, Good Kid, Mad City, and uh, what's the other joint? To Pimp a Butterfly. It took me so long because I knew this nigga was going to be talking oh, wow. and I had to figure out the, the metaphors and the similes and connect the stories together. God, I'm still traumatized from Lupe Fiasco's The Cool, which is his second album. Yeah. The first album had a little bit of a story to it, but the second one was all one story and I couldn't figure it out and I got frustrated so I quit. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not listening for context no more. And this is before Rap Genius, right? So you would go to azlyrics.com mm-hmm. and it would have the wrong lyrics there. Yep. So now here <laughs> I am reading the wrong lyrics trying to figure out the story. This not even what the fuck you're talking about. Oh my God. <laughs> Took me back. <laughs> But what about Lil Wayne, though? Is he going to give you some double and triple entendres? Yeah, but I don't got to think about him too hard. True, 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 true. You might get that latex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You better put on that latex because you might get that latex that she thinks she latex. That's not hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let alone the, the extended metaphor but all through to Pippa Butterfly. It's crazy. It's like, all right, fine. Damn. Fuck. What if niggas are stupid? Okay. <laughs> Damn. Goodbye, Trap said J.I.V. Um, yeah, that's the that's the that's the poet who I know because of Kanye. Right. Do hip hop exactly. Owen said Quincy Xavier. Quincy is a poet. That's true. Um, he also said Amir Suleiman. Oh no, not Quincy. Quince Quince. Say, excuse, excuse me. me. Sorry, Quince. Say. There is an accent <laughs> over the e. My bad. Yes, there is. And then he said Amir Suleiman. I don't know. If, I'm, I'm not sure if I said that correctly. Suleiman. Who's what? 
who was on Robert Glasper Black Radio 3. Okay, for sure, for sure. Hadn't listened. Um, a smart R&B, you feel me? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the Vibe Tribe said he invented the 16-bar verse. That's what they, that's what the um that's what Black Thought said. I wanted to play the clip, but that's what Black Thought said that he practically invented the 16-bar verse. Natalie said Cuz if you think cool. about it, like think about like Fab Fried Freddy and all and even think about like Sugar Hill Gang, the rappers from 73 to 83, them songs was like 10 minutes long. It's like a 12-minute song. 80 niggas rapping. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> Jeez. What else we got? Natalie said, also shouting out Queen Latifah, who was at the Black Sonian this weekend. Oh, Hashtag nice. Lifetime Achievement Unlocked. Oh, seeing Queen Latifah? Yeah. Man, who you calling a bitch? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? That song, when I hear that song, it does make me tear up a little bit. Because like, you got to think about the context of the time mm-hmm. uh, in which calling women bitches was just like, you know, par for the course at the time, I suppose. And then you have a, a, a woman of hip-hop calling herself Queen Latifah a song called Unity, and the, the start of the song starts with, who you calling a bitch? Oh, woo! <laughs> <laughs> woo! <laughs> um. Otherwise, nigga, learn your place. <laughs> who you talking to? <laughs> the fuck? Natalie said Bimo was definitely country rap. <laughs> <laughs> if I had kept going, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Good Vibe Tribe said you loved ice cream paint jobs so much. Third oh, man, floor, look, LOL. man. <laughs> <laughs> look, man. <laughs> ice cream paint job was my shit. Um, <laughs> throw some D's on it. Yep. Um, <laughs> that was my shit. That was my shit. That was the. I wanted to be rich boy. Fuck what you talking about, man. <laughs> I'm not trying to be Jay Z. What? That nigga lame to me, bro. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And then Good Bob Trap said, I was just about to say, my friend, you want no parts of post-record label Lupe. No. <laughs> no. It's too smart. <laughs> it's too smart. Damn. Oh, I see that rope moving. Outside. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Sweetheart, let's do this. Uh, if we don't have any comments, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Wake Up Bake with BMO. I'm going to leave you with Tone J by Michael Robinson featuring Tashira. Make sure y'all check that out on all streaming and video platforms. It's not hip hop, but we'll be right back with more Wake Up Bake with BMO. Shabapa. <laughs> I had to give him a little shoulder. <laughs> I was feeling it.
I'm so impressed. <laughs> I'm still so impressed by this music video. Appreciate you, Lydia. Appreciate you, Micah. Appreciate uh, Shira and Baki, everybody involved with this music video where I did a little creative consulting in, but I don't want to toot my horn too much because the outcome of the video is so so beautiful and so dynamic. Um, if you have any comments on that, definitely definitely drop a comment. Uh, show some love to Micah Robinson and to Shira for dropping this beautiful gem into our lives. We appreciate y'all. Um, <clears throat> Before we move on, I actually wanted to talk about this as part of the hip, uh, the hip, the fiftieth anniversary of hip hop. I wanted to talk about the dwindling numbers and how that's actually a positive for hip hop. But I think we'll come back to that next Thursday or next week or Thursday, depending on um, when we have time to actually cover that. But I just want to throw that quick comment in there that I know that the popularity of hip hop is dwindling, but I do believe that is our opportunity to make hip hop back to what it was supposed to be, which again is the poetics for the black soul. So just want to throw that quick comment in there before we move on to the to the next topic. Right now, sweetheart, you know what time is you know what time it is though, right? No. It's time for our blunt manifestations. Okay. <laughs> uh uh, let's see here. You got any manifestations? You got anything you want to manifest while I'm waiting this blunt, sweetheart? <laughs> Moving. <laughs> we have our conversation at eleven today. We want to share that with the people. Or we want to keep that in the house. We keep it in the house. We keep it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. All right. Right now, uh, as I'm lighting the blunt, I want to manifest. Uh, I've been using this for selfish reasons, but after visiting with my family over the weekend, I want to manifest health and guidance and friendship within my family. Uh, we spent. A few hours in North Carolina on Saturday celebrating my grandparents' 90th birthday, um, which is a beautiful thing, especially as we're getting older. You know, I'm 34 now, uh, and as, as I'm getting older, I'm recognizing that my position in the family is shifting away from the cute kid who does uh, inspiring things to the funny the funny young man who's trying to figure out his life and now to somewhat of a leader of his generation within the family. Uh, so with that spirit, I just want to peace and prosperity, happiness and, and, and understanding for the, for the, for the family that I am connected to both through blood and not. So what's so interesting about family sweetheart is that not one time and not that I expected to be, but not one time over this Saturday, does someone call me BMO? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I can share something embarrassing with you, I did not know my family watched the show. Yeah. <laughs> like all of them. Like all of them. Yeah. I did not know that they watched the show. And they know things like. They Paul know Rose things the like the, 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 the Paul Rose and Negro of the Week. Or my uncle was calling you the, the house lady. The house lady. <laughs> and my cousin corrected him, like, no, it's the lady of the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed because we be on here cussing and just giving out just crazy things and I'm doing drugs and I'm talking shit. Like, at one point I did mute my grandfather from, ve- from viewing the stories because I was just so embarrassed about him seeing me in this situation. But he told me and it gave me a little battery in my back, something I hope we can keep pushing forward with is my grandfather told me that he gets it. My grandfather was born in 1933. 
he thinks that uh, heroin and marijuana are in the same categories. Right? Uh, And he's a a conservative man. Yeah. So me doing drugs on the internet with very progressive and liberal standpoints, you would think that would be the opposite of my grandfather, but I actually think it's just the evolution of which. So I don't want to talk about my family too much, but I appreciate y'all for watching. Uh, I was just blown away at the support that I you know, that I get from my family. There was a, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, sweetheart, can I be honest? Can I tell my truth? Yeah. Um, I thought that by pursuing this entrepreneurial life and willingly putting friends and family in secondary positions, I thought I had essentially self-exiled myself from my family. That is not the case. Huh? That's beautiful. Right. It's not the case. They have not let me go. And so I want to do better in not letting them go. So that's what I want to manifest on this blunt right here. I appreciate y'all. I see y'all. I'm going to get high on behalf of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Ooh. Ah. Oh. Ooh. My knee, Lord. Body breaking down over here. All right. What's the other two things we got to talk about, sweetheart? <laughs> well, we didn't actually talk about it. It's not real nigga. And. Oh, we did not talk about this real nigga. So, <clears throat> Tory Lane's bitch ass is going to jail. <laughs> For 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. 10 years. Tory Lane's bitch ass is going to jail. Tory Lane's balding bitch ass, Canadian bitch ass <laughs> is going to jail. And I call him bitch ass because he shot, and I hate to use the term, but I got to use it so brothers know, he shot at a female. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Like, he really shot... <clears throat> A woman, like he really shot a woman in the toe. Like this was Harlem Nights, and he was Eddie Murphy. Like he thought that shit was cool. He thought that shit was sweet. Yeah. And so the lady in the house and I, we've been having an, uh, a casual observation of what's going on with black men, and the internet will tell you that it's black men, that something is wrong with black men. It's inherently within black men, whatever, whatever. Uh, but the lady in the house and I, we have a theory that it's not. The problem with men is not the gene of real niggadom. Mm-hmm. Here's a test for you. Juvenile might be the realest nigga I know. <laughs> I ain't never heard nothing bad about no juvenile. I ain't heard no scarlet letters. I ain't heard no accusations mm-hmm. from juvenile towards juvenile. Trick daddy. Mm-hmm. Also, of the supremest, realest niggas. Ain't never heard no, ain't never heard shit about Trick Daddy other than him loving on Trina. That's the only thing I done heard about Trick Daddy. <laughs> Bun B mm-hmm. used to hang out with a pimp. His best friend was a manager of sex workers. Never heard nothing bad about neither one of them. Play the quip, sweetheart. I'm saying that all to say that I don't think that real niggadom is the problem. Oh, and we discovered LL's been married to the same woman for 28 years now. LL Cool J, theoretically, hypothetically, possibly the sexiest nigga in the game, <laughs> married to the same woman for 20-something years. It's not real niggadom. The problem is deeper. Play the clip, sweetheart. 
Here's the next thing. And I tried to be impartial and cool about this and not get it. Man, fuck that, man. Fuck Tory Lanez, okay? And I don't care if this go viral or none of that shit. I'm from Houston, and if somebody would have done something to Megan in this city, we would have rolled. Megan in L.A. by herself. It's just her T. Ferris. She ain't got a mama no more. Her mama is gone. Her daddy is gone. Her grandmother is gone. All the people that loved her and cared about her unconditionally, that looked out for her and would have protected her, ain't there. So as an old Houston, I'm standing up. Tory Lane did some whole ass shit. Period. Yeah, I, I know Tory. I know his manager. I know all of them, man. Fuck all that, though. Fuck all that. If the man on drugs, get him some goddamn rehab. If the man got mental health issues, get him some therapy. But you're not just going to sit here and shoot this girl. And we not say nothing. This shit not real. This, I mean, this is not real nigga shit. It's not. Anytime a man hurt the woman, that's obsession. That ain't love. That's obsession. You know what I'm saying? And he had no reason to shoot this girl. She want to get out the car? Get out the car. <laughs> Bun B goes on to say, if a black woman want to get out the car, let that woman out the car. Mm. Ain't nothing you can do to let hold that woman into that car. Right. Um, but I want to double down on the quote that this is not real nigga shit. But B goes on to say that anytime that a, a man hurts a woman, that's not love, that's obsession. Connecting real nigga shit to love, meaning real niggas love women. Mm-hmm. Real niggas love women. Not pussy, <laughs> not head, not bitches, not females. Real niggas love women. I'm saying this to combat the idea that it is inherent upon black men to hate black women. That is not the truth. No. We learn that. Mm-hmm. And you know who we learn that from? Okay. We learn that from the, the, the whites. <laughs> okay. That's that patriarchy right there. Mm-hmm. We gotta get rid of that shit. That's not the next topic though. All right, we got any comments before we move on to the next topic? We still on hip hop. Oh, we do. Uh, Razzie got a soothing song talking about Tone J. Um, oh, what a great song. Right. What a great song. Put it on your playlist. Mm-hmm. Wasting your time, even now I wanna stop. Let me not ruin this here. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, goodbye, Charles. Before Randy. they talk about me, uh, <laughs> what you say? Because they were singing them down. Oh, yeah, it was. Right. Look, man. I, I didn't show you the rest of the videos. Oh, I gotta see the video. Yeah. That's true. It's true. But anyway, uh, goodbye, Charles. Said random. You should document all the beautiful things you call the lady of the house. It might be a nice poem or something one day. And then <laughs> that would be nice. It would be nice. We uh, yeah. Okay. Um, then he also laughed at the house lady, and then Natalie said, "You in the south right now?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you right. You right. Maybe you know what I'm saying. We gotta look at. We gotta look at. Um. We gotta look at southern niggas to lead us. Ooh, I do got a good topic for Thursday. Huh. What's up? Look I'm at thinking, southern niggas lead us. Yeah, because I'm thinking about Montgomery, and then yeah. Yeah, but it's an assumption. It's something I noticed when I moved up here, and it's, I think you probably noticed it too. People from up here, although we in the South or whatever, but people from up here, they think people from the South are stupid. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, it took me a while to adjust to the pace of speech that happens on Howard's campus 
because if you're silent longer, a nanosecond longer than you should be, people will interrupt you, people will overtalk you, and people will think you're stupid. So you should you learn to be quick. But when you're in the South, people let you finish your statements. Mm-hmm. You get to talk and express yourself in full thought without putting uh, the important part out front. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pauses, a, a lot of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of silence, a lot of consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, Kayla still does that, and I appreciate that about her. It takes, there's time and consideration in her speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have another great topic. Speaking of learning for niggas, we, are, we want to start a new investigation, but we'll talk about that on Thursday. I told you about it, right? About the, the queer wage gap? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it on Thursday. All right, let's get to this, though, sweetheart, before we run out of time. Because um, they are doing the construction outside. God damn. Huh? I don't want the people to see my nighttime shots. Ah. Um, the vibe tribe says it's black men too tied into the patriarchy. Exactly. Exactly. That's the real problem. That That's the real problem. But speaking of systemic problems, um, there's something I want to talk about, sweetheart. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I I'm, I am actually saying this to scare you. Now, I don't like fear mongering, but I feel like. I feel like I feel like niggas need to know. I don't like reporting too much on the news either, but I feel like niggas need to know. So we know uh, we know what happened to Roe v. Wade, right? Yeah. Struck down, mm-hmm. and we know that there was a conservative venture capital behind the individuals who brought up the case to the Supreme Court. Did you know that those same conservative people? I wish I, I wish I had their names so niggas could know. Those same conservative folks are the same conservative venture capital that funded that Asian boy who eventually strike down the non-legacy parts of affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Which, funny enough, and look, look, look. Uh, individually, I'm pissed. But as understanding and empathetically as a race trying to understand who they are, I understand what the Asians are going through. And I'm starting to see the tide turn where they're realizing Oh, black and brown folks weren't the problem. We know. We knew that. Right. We knew that. But you got convinced. You got, you know what I'm saying, you got paid off. It's happened to niggas in the past too. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. <coughs> we ain't we ain't scot free on this shit either. Scot free. We ain't dread scot free on the thing either. We're starting to see a tide turn. We're starting to see the Asian people are starting to realize that black and brown people aren't the problem. There's actually white people who are the problem who are holding these positions. There is a new study of trying to figure out why brown people, especially Asian folks, aren't getting promoted in tech companies. And they're like, what do you, st-? I'm like, what are you studying? It's, what do you mean, why? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, why? Like, you gonna find the numbers? <clears throat> you gonna find, <clears throat> that's what they gonna do. They gonna find the numbers to try to justify why they aren't being promoted and, re- and realize that those numbers won't save them. It ain't about that. Right. <laughs> It ain't about that. You know what it's about? And a young lady in this clip before the show is about to illustrate something that I think I've been thinking for a little while. It's about proximity. So here's what I'm trying to say to scare you. So that same conservative group who attacked Roe v. Wade and affirmative action in the Supreme Court is now going after social programs uh, dedicated to black money, specifically the Fearless Fund. There is a venture capital of black women 
who have dedicated themselves to raise money and give money to black women started businesses because black women are starting the most businesses amongst any demographic by far. Black women, Latino women, these are the leaders of enterprise right now. But these are also the most unfunded people, most founded, most unfunded people. <laughs> Sweetheart, play the clip. That's right. Who's going to look out for us? Why, right. why do you think women of color don't get the money that we're, that they're supposed to get? It's systemic. Because they're women of color. Mm. It, it's, it's, <laughs> and it's, it's beyond right. being systemic, it's also proximity. Mm. So if white men make up 90-something percent of the investors, mm -hmm. when you even take out racism and you take out sexism, it's still proximity. I'm an avid believer that if you can diversify the investors, you can diversify the investments. Erin, let me, Aaron, let me so, build on that because that's, that's profound. Mm -hmm. So there's some data out there that 100%, mm -hmm. uh, let me back this up, 80% of white Americans in the country have networks that are 100% white. Mm -hmm. Let me say it again. 80% of white Americans have networks that are 100% white. Mm -hmm. So when she's talking about proximity, what it means if you're black or brown, you are eight, nine, 10 times more likely to have networks that are black and brown. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if you got all the white investors, right, that are making the deals, mm -hmm. who are they doing those deals with? Other white, white people. There yeah, we go. Just proximity. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because it's not just that we get a fraction of percent of the venture capital funds, is that we are actually the most founded entrepreneurial demographic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we are the largest. We are starting businesses more than anybody else, mm -hmm. but still getting the least. Mm. Yeah. So, so Edward is saying that y'all are practicing unlawful racial discrimination. Where's he even getting these accusations from? You know, it's this, uh, again, Charlemagne, the intellectual justification of discrimination is rampant in America now mm -hmm. after the last president and what the governor in Florida are doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are saying that they're going to take back all the civil rights whether it's voting, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, uh, police enforcement, whether it's equity. What they have done is a sea change in the system. Can you imagine these bold, courageous women saying that we're going to have a seat at the table? And guess what? They're women of color. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that if we can have a ball on the bat, we can play the game just as good as y'all. And that's a threat to Edward Bloom. Mm -hmm. They don't want to see diversity have a chance at economic freedom. This case, Charlemagne and Envy, is just as important as George Floyd or any other case mm -hmm. out there. But we have to keep talking about these cases and Henry the last case because it is talking about economic freedom for our people. And that is the most important thing we can give our children, That's right. especially yes. our beautiful boys and girls. Now, who is that? First off, that's Brent Crump. Well, he didn't win the Paul Rose Negro Week, did he? The mm -hmm. last week's Paul Rose Negro Week pre-nominee. And you know what? What did I say about Ben Crump punk ass last week? <laughs> I said in order for him to get a nomination, mm -hmm. we need him to step into social strategy. And his ass <laughs> is on the case. <laughs> ah! <-hoo>! Let's go. <laughs> Did you hear what he said, though? That what is he said? As important as the George Floyd case. This is, this is as important as the George Floyd case. 
This is as important as life or death. That's what he said. This is as important as justice to your physical body because it's true. This Edward Bloom motherfucker is trying to attack your money, your ability to gain money. These black women are raising raising black dollars for black people. And a white man is like, you can't do that because it's race-based? <laughs> Now, mind you, remember, the trick of the racial caste system is white people don't have a category. Right. We're just Americans. We're right. just here. Meanwhile, I'm a black American. I'm an African-American. I'm some type of subsection of this motherfucker. And because you designated me that now is race-based, now it's race-based. <laughs> now it's race-based. Now it's race-based. Are you crazy? That's crazy. It's, it's, it's race-based now? Right. Wow. <laughs> How? How? Mm -hmm. The whole thing has been race-based. Boy. Boy, these white people got some nerve, man. <laughs> this is a real lawsuit, y'all. There's this Edward Bloom. They are suing for discrimination. They are using the language of the laws that we inspired and created against us. And for what reason? Because they want white boys to be considered in the fearless fun? What? They want white boys to have access to money that's already underrepresented within a specific, specific demographic? They want it all? That scares me. Mm -hmm. That scares me. Because this could go to the Supreme Court. This could very well be a case that goes to the Supreme Court. And as you know, the Supreme Court is currently not in our favor. So this is why I think uh, Attorney Ben Crump is saying this is just as important as the George Floyd court case. If they rule in favor of this conservative group, meaning that you cannot have racially based funding for underrepresented groups, that is terrible. Right. That is affirmative action in the opposite. That means, here's the thing, let me put it in the context of what we've been talking about on the show. You and I have been talking about, even today, we've been talking about how the bridge has 100% intent and in delivering black news to black people but somehow white people still get involved, right? We are creating a space right now that is intent for black people, from black people to black people. If white people wanna watch, good for them. If they wanna double click on the clips, good for them. Mm -hmm. But we are for blackness and by blackness by choice. Right. The passing of this law means that legally we would be required to incorporate whiteness into our situations. We would have to dedicate resources to make sure that we are incorporating white people into our situations. The same coercive disease, the same parasitic mindset that has destroyed us would now be legally mandated. That's insane. That's insane. That's scary than a motherfucker, man. 
Like the case, Ben. Tell me what I need to do, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what I need to do because I have not. I usually have think about some creative ways to 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 come up with these situations, but I cannot think of a way to do such. Only way I can think about it is like <laughs> we're only we're opening up funding to parents of black white parents of black children. You said white parents of black children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you got black kids, you were available to be funded, and you had to have had them before 2011. Don't go get some new black kids. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. 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 That baby got to be ten plus. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to have had. Them. You have had to have had them. A <laughs> matter of fact, we're giving it to geriatric old white parents of black kids. Two, three years before they die, so they can just pass that money on the blitz. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking, sweetheart. What's up? If we find 75 all seventy five plus, you have to have been had kids, and they're the only beneficiaries. <laughs> We're gonna put it in a a ten year IRA. <laughs> That's the only way I can think about it. That's what we need to do, sweetheart. <laughs> we need to get a whole bunch of white parents that's like, all right, cool. Fund us for a 20-year IRA. I'm 85, all right? <laughs> I only got one beneficiary, okay? No penalty to exit early, all right? <laughs> we got any comments, sweetheart? Um, this conversation, uh, Goodbye Trevor says, this conversation is the continuation of who we are to... Oh, this conversation in the continuation of who we are to each other is moving. We need more space that affirms who we are to each other. And then he said, this is a lawsuit. Like, with a whole bunch of question marks. <laughs> what the fuck? And then he said, Ben Crump had his, his plug, had him ready for the award this week. Yeah. You might have to, you might have to nominate him again. <laughs> he did. Somebody hit him up and was like, hey, Bimo said. <laughs> Bimo said, unless you start st- stepping into social strategy, I don't know what we're going to do. Although this is still the law. It is also social strategy, so that's that's beautiful. What are we gonna right. do with that money, though? I, you know what? But we don't need we need we don't need to answer the question in this case because we know there's a group of black women who are already funding black owned businesses, just giving them a, a push ahead. But you know, sweetheart, I do have something um, that just occurred to me. That's it. Yeah, although this is pushing into the social system, we gonna need another way to get money. I think I, I think I got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got I got it. You got an idea? Yeah, but I'm saving it for the, the burning question. <laughs> okay. I go. Yeah, I we think we're gonna need numbers. another way to get money. We got more comments. We got another segment. Mm, no, right? I don't think so. No, because we talked about hip hop. Uh-huh. And we talked about it's not real niggas. It's not real niggas. And, and then the fearless fun. Okay, for sure. Um, Good Vibe Tribe said haters gonna hate that's all they do but reparations out of the question like oh. right and then he said maybe we could use it as a precedent for reparations like they talking about they don't want to give us reparations but they need to start right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then Owen said oh absolutely love that for you the family support is sensational sensational <laughs> <laughs> that's Owen's word sensational <laughs> All right, sweetheart, you know what time it is, though. Yeah. It's time for the burning question for Roach. Sweetheart, what you got for me? Okay. Um, I think, Ooh. well, it's more of an idea. Okay. I think there might be a connection to 
real niggadom and the fearless fund. Right? You said we need we need money. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why hasn't that happened? I don't know. Or you you or or is it a situation where we just don't know? Because I can see that well, that's probably the best case scenario. But we just don't know. Like I think about how Easy E started Ruthless Records on drug money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh but like Ooh, is my favorite clip from They Clone Tyrone in there? Which one? Oh, when they out? Yeah. How come that how come that doesn't happen more often? How come maybe it, maybe because there doesn't seem to be a direct connection between the fearless fun and niggas in the street. Right, but there is a connection. Maybe, maybe we could be that bridge, yeah. because what is, because okay, what is the, what is the connection between a woman who is filing for funding for the Fearless Fund and a nigga who's on the on her same corner making money fearlessly? Right. But see, like, that's why they made clones. Because what does it benefit the nigga on the corner if the if that lady's business is funded? She's gonna invest back into him. How? Black women always do. What you mean? <laughs> oh, that's right. The niggas on the corner don't know that though. Well, they know it, but they don't know it. They know it, but they can't speak it. They can't. I don't know if they can see its financial value. I don't know, cause mm, think about actually Go Gucci. Ahead. Gucci. Yeah, when he was in jail, he gave his wife. He what, sure did. Like two million dollars, flipped it into six by the time he. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then clone exactly. nigga, huh? <laughs> 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 hmm. That's an idea, though. Yeah. That's something there. Yeah. You should take that to the parlor. Mm-hmm. There's something there. What is the connection between real niggadom and the fearless fund? Because the we're being sued in this situation, right? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder how the fearless fund is being funded. Right. We have to investigate that. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't come back to that. Okay. I like your idea, sweetheart. Thanks for that. Very good. Thanks. We got any comments or we about to get about it? Uh, good Vibe Tribe said it's going to destroy and rebuild like hip-hop. Wait, say it again? It's going to destroy and rebuild like hip-hop. What, what's the it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? Uh, Natalie said, oh, you spitting. Oh, we, that's you. You spitting. Thanks for that. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> hmm. That, that lawsuit is ridiculous, though. Right? That joint is ridiculous. Goodbye, Tribe said, watch the money. Mmm. Oh. <laughs> wow. Duh. Right. <laughs> wow. I think that might be too dangerous to say out loud. <laughs> I think the thoughts I just had, I might be too dangerous out loud. Like, 
if we, if you believe in the mindset that drugs actually destroyed the community, because I, I have been seeing reports recently that specifically crack is not as addictive as the propaganda that we see. Stop playing. That's what, that's just, now I don't know no crackheads and I don't mean to say that like as in crackheads, as in like meth heads or, yeah. or people who are on heroin and stronger and uncut opiates. But like I have, I might have to bring this back up, but like I saw a report that said that specifically crack is not as addictive as the propaganda that we, that we saw. But if you believe, and I don't know how much I believe that, but if you believe that the crack bombs destroyed the community, then you could also believe, if you're using the same algebra to believe that we have the tools to destroy our community, then you could use that same algebra to say that we have the same tools to repair our community. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, could it be possible? Is it possible to have a crack ring in a progressive community? <clears throat> in a Are there crackheads in a sustainable community? And let's be honest. Are there people who are addicted to opiates in our sustainable community? I don't know either. I don't know either. But if that is the product that has yielded us high economics should that be incorporated into our sustainable community or should we be selling something else is there something else that could replace crack what can replace crack <laughs> if the real niggas is going to be funding the uh, the fearless fund it's got to be clean money right you can't I can't start my hair business on $20,000 in ones and fives on crack money I mean, I could, but man, could you? We need a lawyer on the show now. <laughs> if somebody gave me $20,000 in crack money and I started a business, am I part of the crack problem? Legally. Why are you laughing? <laughs> are there crackheads in the sustainable community? I want, is Natalie on the line? Yeah. Natalie, respectfully. Respectfully, I say, I hope you see where I'm coming she from. Said, are there crackheads in, in, the, in the kingdom? She said, yes, the addicts are usually high functioning. Put the crackheads to work. Like the um, <laughs> oh, buddy, he was on heroin. <clears throat> Who he wasn't functioning though. He was. He was like he was a great salesman. Oh, oh, the salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought he was talking about old dude from uh, Painkiller. He oh, did not no. do well. Oh, no. <laughs> My man went. He just died he in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> His heart just stopped. God damn. Damn. <laughs> damn. <Wow. laughs> How relaxed can you be? That's insane. Oh, um, Good Vibe Tribe said he needs the money cleaned for. Tax purposes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Of course, of course. <laughs> Economy will destroy. That's all. I, but I, what could crackheads do? They're, they can do a lot. If everybody has a role in the revolution, if I'm standing by my word, if we talk about the talent in the 90s now, if everybody has the tools to save themselves, what can, while on crack? They're. <laughs> Who was on crack? <laughs> right. What can crackheads do? No, they're very. I mean, potheads. You see what we doing? Right. Exactly. So, what can crackheads do? Pull up the thing. I was. I was... Pull up the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's read the jobs. <laughs> Pull up the thing. Uh. Was it Montgomery? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You about to say something though? It's a, it's a stereotype. I don't want to. Okay, okay, for sure, for sure. Let's look at the jobs now. Let's look at the jobs. What? Look now. I know this feel. I feel this feel foolish. <laughs> this feel dumb as hell. What I'm just saying to answer the to 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 answer the question of what's the connection between real niggerdom and the fearless fun to unify a community so that the funding from the venture fund can actually come from a specific demographic of black business. Mm-hmm. We need to find a purpose for crack. <laughs> <laughs> so what can crackheads do? Go through the list. <laughs> There's actually a couple of things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> come on. Okay, experimenters, they definitely experiment. Experimenters. Are you saying that we should make crackheads crash head dummies? Crash dummies. Crackhead crash dummies. No. Okay. Did not experiment it on, but experimenting. Right, exactly. What are they experimenting with? New ideas? (laughs) Okay, we'll have a crackhead think tank. (laughs) That's one nomination. Keep going. (laughs) No, just the ones you think are important. Now, we aren't, like, providing the crack on the construction site, per se, right? No. You had to come cracked or go home and crack. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, my God. Where are we going? <laughs> okay. Okay. I know in an ideal situation, I'm struggling with this, because I know in an ideal situation, we're not supposed to have crackheads. But, like, we do. Right. And it seems to be lucrative. I don't know. Last one, sweetheart. Then we get up out of here. Last potential job for the crackhead. Disruptors. Oh boy. <laughs> Talk me through disruptors. Oh, I see a, I see a comment though. Oh, what he was? Yeah, he was a crackhead. What? <laughs> Read it out loud. Mer- uh, mayor Barry was the greatest mayor DC ever had as a functional crack user. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, okay. If that's the case, I'm, we're going to stop talking about crackheads here in a second, I promise. You see, I'm stressed. I'm rubbing my forehead. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why, why it has to be tied to crackheads. Not even crackheads. Like, well, it's tied to crackheads because there. Ha- if we are going to allow the money from the street to fund our businesses, then it would be appropriate to continue. It would be appropriate to, to like promote that business, right? That would be most advantageous to promote the business. So, if crack is supporting the hair care, the the uh, the local daycare, right? If crack is supporting the local daycare, which is essentially what white people are doing with the with the lottery, if you're gambling to support education, like if crack can support the local daycare, then we need to support the crack industry, which includes crackheads. But and, I, but and I'm saying that in a radical black sustainable community, 
we're just not going to have crackheads homeless. We're not going to have crackheads out on the street. And by crackheads, I just mean people who are addicted to substance. Like, I feel like maybe just I just watch too many movies. But like, I feel like the only time you really get down bad on drugs is when you can't afford more drugs. Like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have opiate addicts, but like also when you take a whole bunch of opiates, like it changes your your brain chemistry. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe you're kind of already losing to a certain degree or winning. Maybe the thing is to destigmatize de opiate users. Maybe instead of like, <laughs> you remember back in the 80s, like instead of, uh, yeah, you can take it down. In the 80s, instead of like uh, when the AIDS epidemic was starting, instead of some people, instead of like trying to just say no to drugs, they were doing needle exchanges. Wait, what? Yeah, instead of like, instead of like, there was one facet of people that was like, don't do drugs. There was another facet of people that was like, make drugs safer. Mm. Maybe our radical idea in a sustainable future and sustainable black community is fund crackheads. Or make sure everybody can afford their own vices. Or I don't know, whatever whatever it is to make us feel better about it. But like, you're not stealing from your neighbor to get more opiates if you have the sustainable <laughs> supply that you already have. Right. That's the way I'm thinking about it. Okay, I'm stressed again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to get up out of here before the construction people come up in here. Sweetheart, what you think about my drug idea? <laughs> it sounds as ridiculous as like the there are there are some strong opinion abolitionists who say that jails shouldn't be a thing and so you're like so what do you do with criminals it's just one of them things like if we give money to crackheads so they stop stealing for people maybe they stop doing crack right because it's there like it's, it's yeah. readily available But you can't be skipping work to do crack, though. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, yeah, <laughs> you got to come to, you got to yeah. do your job, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Ah, nah, here we are back in the beginning. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and let you go because we're going to start talking about crack too much. <laughs> Although I do find it interesting when I see these opiate addiction stories, they always start with pills yeah. as if heroin and cocaine and crack wasn't already in the black community. It always starts with some big pharmaceutical. It doesn't start with the people who brought in this, brought in the opioids to begin with. Right. But I guess that would be too dangerous. They would get Paul Robeson Negroes of the Week for that. All right, y'all. We want to thank y'all for watching another episode of Wake and Bake with BMO. You can always catch the live replay right here on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. Make sure you catch the audio uh, episode if you're into the audio episode on uh, anywhere that you can catch podcasts. I prefer Apple Music and Spotify, but if you want to go to Stitcher or where else you want to go? That's up to you. We're going to leave you with Black Boy Joy, but my good man, uh, Detroit Rivers, will see y'all on Thursday for the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week. Oh, before we go, make sure y'all go check out uh, the new Blueprint newsletter, uh, bmobrown.substack.com to stay abreast on all the things that are happening with the new Blueprint so we can keep some of these things in real life. Maybe we can affect some change and apply blackness to some real situations. Maybe we'll see some of these things come to fruition. Maybe we won't. Hopefully we will. Read the newsletter and find out. <laughs> we'll see y'all on Thursday. Good morning. 